The good, the bad, and the ugly. Now, if you're familiar with that movie at all, when I said the good, the bad, and the ugly, you may have heard a little soundtrack in your mind. I, I like movies, I like westerns. I don't know why I like westerns, because I'm not any good on a horse and don't have any desire to be good on a horse. But I love westerns, I love good movies. It's a shame that there aren't more good movies, but one of my favorite movies is The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. And it just so happens that uh, my message today has three points and they correspond to the good, the bad, and the ugly. Because sometimes Christians are good, sometimes we're bad, and sometimes we're ugly. Um, I'm not going to take them in that order because uh, I'm going to be following along Acts chapter 15. If you'll turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 15, uh, we'll start. Uh, we'll start with the ugly, and uh, we'll get into that. Acts chapter 15, verses 36 through 39, and I'll read that. Acts 15, verse 36 through 39. And after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, Let us return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. Now Barnabas wanted to take with him John called Mark, but Paul thought best not to take with them one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. And there arose a sharp disagreement. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would bless the reading of your word, the preaching of your word, the hearing of your word. I pray, Lord, that whatever the message is that you've given to me to give to the people here today, that it will be heard and understood and received and then acted upon in accordance with your Holy Spirit. These are the things that we pray for and ask for in faith in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. The ugly. Sometimes Christians squabble. It's very interesting. Verse 38 says, But Paul thought it best not to take the one with them who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia. Now, if you're just reading through and you're just reading through the narrative and you're just reading the story, you may not attach much uh, importance to the word withdrawn there. Other translations use a different word there. They use the word deserted. It's a big difference. Because Barnabas would characterize John Mark's leaving them on the first missionary trip as John Mark withdrew from us. Paul, on the other hand, probably would use the word desert. John Mark deserted us. And there arose a sharp disagreement. And the painful truth is that sometimes Christians squabble. Sometimes we squabble. That's the ugly. You remember the good, the bad, and the ugly? That's the ugly. Now let's talk about the bad. Sometimes Christians separate. Following Acts chapter 15, verse 39, 
so that they separated from each other. Verse 39 begins with, and there arose a sharp disagreement. The rest of verse 39 says, so that they separated from each other. Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and departed, having been commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. The ugly thing, ugly truth is that sometimes Christians squabble and the bad truth is sometimes Christians separate. Matthew Henry, who hundreds of years ago wrote probably one of the best known commentaries on the Bible, talks about this particular squabble, this separation. This is what he says. Here we have a private quarrel between two ministers no less than Paul and Barnabas. A little bit later he says, Neither would yield, therefore there was no remedy, they must part. We see that the best of men are but men, subject to like passions as we are. Perhaps there were faults on both sides, as usual in such contentions. Christ's example alone is the example without blood. Yet we are not to think it strange if there are differences among wise and good men. It will be so while we are in this imperfect state. We shall never be all of one mind till we come to heaven. Uh, but what mischief. The remainders of pride and passion which are found even in good men due to the world and even in the church. Sometimes Christians squabble. Sometimes Christians separate. Barnabas takes John Mark and they go their way on a missionary journey. Paul takes Silas. He goes his way on a missionary journey. So even though sometimes Christians squabble and sometimes Christians separate, the work goes on. We cannot allow arguments and contentions and disagreements and divisions and separations. We cannot allow that to stop us from what we are called to do. And that is to spread the gospel. Amen. But be ready for it. Don't be surprised by it. It's going to happen. But the work goes on. The mission effort is actually doubled. God's will is accomplished. By the time we get to chapter 17 on this second missionary journey, Paul is in Athens waiting for Silas and Timothy to join him. And it is in Athens, Paul looks around and he realizes the lost condition of the people there. His heart is breaking for them. They are so lost. Flip over to Acts chapter 17. And we'll take a look now at Paul's message to the Athenians there in the Areopagus. And so we've looked at the ugly and we've looked at the bad. Now let's look at the good. Christians sometimes share the gospel. Christians sometimes share the gospel. Acts chapter 17, verse 22 and 23. And we're going to work through Paul's message to the Athenians a couple of verses at a time. So Paul, verse 22, so Paul, standing in the midst of the Areopagus, said, 
Men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious. For as I passed along and observed the objects of your worship, I found also an altar with this inscription, to the unknown God. What therefore you worship is unknown, this I proclaim to you. Don't you notice a few, thing, a few things about Paul's approach here, his, his tactical approach to the Athenians. Number one, Paul met them where they were. Now you'll notice as we go through this passage, Paul does not talk, he does not quote the Old Testament at all because his listeners would not have been familiar with the Old Testament. In other sermons that are recorded of Paul in Acts, especially those to where there's a Jewish audience, Paul, talk, he quotes from the Psalms, he quotes from the prophets, he knows that his audience should be vaguely, not vaguely, hopefully very familiar with the Scriptures, but he knows the Athenians don't know the Scriptures. But Paul met them where they were. Even though they weren't familiar with the Scriptures, they were very religious. And he noticed that, and he commented about that, and he says, I've been looking around, and I can tell that you all are very religious. You guys are so religious that you you're worried that maybe you haven't covered all your bases and so you've got all these idols that you've set up to worship the various gods and then you've got one just, it's an insurance idol to the unknown God, just in case we left one out. And Paul sees that and he seizes the opportunity and says, I am going to take this opportunity and I'm going to tell you about the unknown God. That which you don't know, I'm going to proclaim to you. Paul met them where they were and he used their own actions and statements and he weaved that into his message of salvation in the gospel he started where they were and then he took them where they needed to go and that's what we should be doing with every lost person that we come into contact with we should start where they are and then we should point them to Jesus because that's where they need to go find out where they are Point them to Jesus. Walk alongside with them to Jesus if you can. But it's important that you start where they are. And you cannot start with somebody where they are if you don't get to know that person a little bit. Dialogue with them. Now Paul didn't know the Athenians deeply. He didn't necessarily set up a relationship with them over months before he shared the gospel. But he did know them well enough to recognize that they were very religious and that they were worried about not being religious enough because they even had that altar to the unknown God. He started where they were and then he pointed them to where they needed to go. Look at verse 24 and following. The God who made the world and everything in it does not live in temples made by man. Nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything. Since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. Paul looks around him and he sees temples made by human hands to honor the gods. He sees people serving in those temples as a form of worship. And he knows that the Athenians are once again very religious people. who are trying to cover all of their bases with the gods. And he wants them to know this. 
The temples that you built, the work that you do, God doesn't need that. God is the hero of the story, not you. God has the main role. Now there's a funny thing about people. We want the main role. We want the spotlight. We want our name in lights. We want the story to be about us. Because deep down, going all the way back to the garden, we talked about it in Sunday school this morning, deep down, we think we know best. We think we should be God. But Paul goes right to the heart of the matter here and he says, your temples that you made, God doesn't need those. Your actions that you're doing to serve God, He doesn't need that. God does not live in temples made by man, nor is He served by human hands as though He needed anything. God is not dependent on us. We are dependent on God. And we reverse that all the time. We are so self-sufficient. We think we can do it. And then Paul, just make sure that that they got it. Paul says... He himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. What else is there? Life and breath and everything. Paul wanted the Athenians to know that, yes, you're religious, but God doesn't need your religion. You need him because he is the source of all things. He also wants the Athenians to know that man was made to seek and find God. This is man's role. God's role is to get the play started and to be the main protagonist, to be the main hero. Man's role is a supporting role. Man was made to seek and find God. Verse 26. Paul starts with the Athenians, goes to the main role of God, and now he says, now this is where we come in. And he made, verse 26, and he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all of the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each one of us. See what Paul's doing here? He's defining the role of man. God's role was to make everything Man's role is to find God. Seek for Him. Find Him. But don't worry, He's close to us. And you see what Paul's doing there? He's identifying with his audience. Up to this point, he's been telling them things that they need to know about God and things that they need to know about themselves. And now he's identifying with his audience by saying, Hey, yes, your role is to find God. He's close to us. Us. I'm in the same category you are. And when we're telling people the good news of the gospel, we need to make sure that we let them know we are a broken, sinful, sometimes good, sometimes bad, sometimes ugly, but redeemed and repaired by the grace of God. Paul also wants the Athenians to know that man was made by God and not vice versa just to make sure they got that because we keep trying to switch that around verse 28 
Paul continues, remember in verse 27, he said us. Now he's going to say we, for we, identifying with his audience again, for we indeed are indeed his offspring. We're God's children. Being then God's offspring, we ought not to think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and imagination of man. All these things that you look around here at the Athenian Areopagus, all these statues that are supposed to represent the gods, God is not represented by those lowly things, even if they're the most beautiful statue covered in gold, set in such a way to catch the light, the sunlight. God, that's not God. That's a poor imitation of what God really is. We are his children. As a matter of fact, we're more important than the most precious statue covered with gold. Because we're God's children. And since we're God's children, we ought not to put God in a lesser place by consigning him to be just the representation of an idol, a statue, of anything. God cannot be limited. And God commands all people everywhere to repent. Paul starts with where they are, shows them that God is the star of the show, but we have a role. We are to seek him. He identifies with his audience, and then he says, this is what I want you to do. Repent. Verse 30, the times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. Because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. Paul tells the Athenians that everybody, everywhere, has to repent. All people, everywhere. All, everywhere. All people, just to make sure you got it, everywhere. All people, everywhere, are to repent. Because, he has, because judgment's coming. And it's coming through a man that God has appointed. And that man was raised from the dead. We all know who he's talking about, right? He's talking about Jesus. And they're following along with him at, up to this point. And now you're going to see three responses to the gospel. Verse 32. Now when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked. Not everybody's going to accept the gospel message. As a matter of fact, some people are going to take that gospel message and make light of it, make fun of it. Try to humiliate anybody who would be so foolish to believe that God would raise someone from the dead. Some mock. Some postpone, verse 32, but others said, we'll hear you again about this. Sometimes when we present the gospel message, some people will not respond properly and they will mock. Others will say, I need to think about this a little bit more. Okay. But some believe. Verse 33 and following, so Paul went out from their midst. Verse 34, but some men joined him and believed, among whom also were Dionysius the Areopagite and a woman named Damaris and others with them. Some will mock, some will postpone the decision, others will believe and join the work. I had 
I hope and pray that there are no mockers here today. But there might be some postponers. There may be someone here who's not yet fully convinced. If I have somehow failed you, please don't let my poor efforts to explain the beauty of the gospel and what Jesus did for us, what God has accomplished through his son, please don't let my poor efforts to explain that and to preach that delay you from accepting the gracious gift of the gospel. I would also say this, if our witness has somehow been injured because you've seen Christians squabbling, maybe you saw me squabbling, or if you've seen Christians separate from each other, maybe you've seen me separate from other Christians when I, it was not necessary. Please forgive us. We're saved, but we're saved sinners. And we're looking forward to the day that the Lord sorts it all out. Amen.